Somebody say glory. glory. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I want to talk to you today on some very simple, simple premises. Is that all right? Can I just speak into your life? And allow me to just be myself. Um, I've got to tell you some honest stuff, man. Can I be honest? I don't know about you, but I had the crappiest week in a long time that I could possibly ever have. And if I can tell by any of your faces, I know that a lot of y'all had the crappiest week y'all had in a long time. That's probably why I had the crappiest week I had. In a, so thank you for having a bad week and casting that spirit on me. But I found myself this week in the depths of an unknown circumstance in my life. Have you ever found yourself just completely overwhelmed by a sentiment that you do not know from whence it came forth? Ever find yourself to the place where you could not begin to function in your day because your night didn't start off right? I found myself up to three or four in the morning for the better part of this week to the point where I could not get out of my bed till about four or five in the afternoon. And I found myself in a depression for reasons unbeknownst to me. Can I just keep it real? I would find myself at church till three or four in the morning at the altar of intercession asking God exactly what was happening over my life. And if I'm fasting and why this third week of my fast do I see defeat in my life when in essence I've been in victory for my entire fast? Why now, Lord, should I feel depression? Why now should I feel oppression in my life? I seem to lose excitement for my day. I felt like a prisoner in my own home. I would get up and I would get dressed and I would not be able to physically open the door. And I found myself in turmoil. Tell the person next to you, turmoil. I found myself in a place where I just did not want to be. Have you ever lost your excitement for life? Have you ever lost your you're just your passion to be able to excel maybe in your career, your job, or your walk with God. Um, we call that settling. And today I want to talk to you about a people of purpose who you are purposely chasing after God. Um, you have to understand that it is not good for you to be in the mindset in which you are defeated before you ever get into a fight. If you have the mindset that you're going to lose something before you ever go for it, you will never, ever succeed in your life. That whole drifting feeling like if you're just tossed upon the ocean wave after wave and you don't know what to do with your life and you are completely indecisive. Let me tell you, indecisiveness is not of God. Your inability to make a decision is not the way God operates in your life. Your inability to go forth and speak into your own life is not God's desire for you. You have to realize that you need to move forward with confidence towards desired goals in your life. Does somebody have a goal? If you have a goal, shout amen. amen. Uh, perhaps there was a time when you were excited about life and you were so f just fulfilled with the things you were doing, but yet now you find yourself having everything you asked God for and yet still lacking happiness within your life. And every single thing you ask God for, he gave you just to prove to you that things don't make you happy. Somebody say amen. amen. Um, you have to understand that, that you have to have an inner drive within you that pushes you. That motivates you to fix the things in your life. Um, we've seen the enemy in the past months. The, the, we see the enemy working so heavily within the church to try and distract us. We've talked about it three weeks in a row about the spirit of ineffectiveness that he's trying to bring and blanket over the church. How he's trying to make Christians just fall away or fall to God but yet not be in love with God. It's like a relationship of just complacency. You're with somebody not because you're in love with them but because you're so used to them you stay with them because you don't want to have to explore something new because you are stuck in the same old thing in your life. 
until you find yourself every night wondering why you're in the arms of this person who you don't even love. Can I keep it real? And then you're wondering why you find yourself living in sin in your own home, locked like if you're in a prison, and you don't know why, and it's because you are complacent with your life. You find yourself at your job complacent once you were driving and striving for the top. And now you're just, you're, you're, they're lucky you even come to work half the time. And you sit there and you get your paycheck and you're not really living to your maximum potential for your boss. And you're being a bad story of what God has given you. You're bickering and muttering in the places where God has, has positioned you for victory. But your position has lost its purpose because you have lost your drive for life. And you thought you were going to get a victory preaching today. You know you were in the midst of a turmoil this week. I saw people throughout this week in my mind walking through their jobs. I don't even know who I'm talking to. And you were praying around your own job. And you were asking God, uh, when is the increase coming? And, you, and, we, and I'm not saying we base our faith on God's increase. But what I'm saying is this. Is that unless, even if he doesn't increase you. You should still be faithful to God. Your purpose and your drive in life is not contingent upon God blessing you. Blessings are just a surplus. Somebody say surplus. Uh, when I look at my life and the way the world is today, sometimes somebody says to themselves, I just don't seem much excited about it. I'm so sick and tired of y'all people texting me about 2012. Leave it alone. Oh, pastor, what do you think about 2000? I don't care about December 31st, 2012. When it comes, we'll see what happens. Until then, I can't change nothing. Stop texting me about it. If the world ends, the world ends. I don't care. But I'm not going to lose my purpose in life. Some of y'all sitting there saying, well, I shouldn't get married if in 2012 the world's going to end. Well, I shouldn't go to school if 2012 the world's going to end. Watching too much History Channel, cut that out. You spend half his time studying the history of the gospel of Christ instead of worrying about the Kardashians, instead of worrying about all these reality shows, instead of worrying about this garbage and this trash that's on your TVs. I got so proud of myself this week that I turned the movie off and I said, no, 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 I'm not going to watch that trash because I understood that I'm not going to feed my spirit. You see, because when you're fasting, not only is your body hungry, your spirit is hungry. And if you're a dummy, you will fast and not pray. And because some of us are dumb like that, we fast and don't pray, then what gets planted rather than prayer is the garbage we filter into our systems through our dumb friends and our dumb televisions. And then that grows seed and gives birth in your life to discomfort. And it begins to settle in your spirit. And it's like Diana said on Wednesday, it's like weeds in your garden. You're hearing that. And it becomes a place, somebody say turmoil, of turmoil. Some think about your vocation or your jobs and say, I don't want to go any higher, do any better, go any farther. I don't even want to do what I'm doing right now because I'm tired of my job. Forgetting that it was God and himself who gave you that job. And that it was God's hand who provided that money in your pocket for the job. And then what happens, what you're really saying is, God, I don't like your provisions in my life. Look at it for what it really is. Not that you're asking God for greater things, but rather you're saying, God, I don't want what you've given me. I dare you married men and women to treat your spouses the way you treat God. And you won't be married but more than a week. And I doubt you little girls, little boys, with your little boo-boos and hubbies will have a boyfriend or anything else if you treat them the way you treat God over the next week. Or that drama you got in your life will escalate to an all-time high. But yet we give it to God as if he deserves it. As if he should know better than to provide for your life. And then we get to the people who seem, can I, can I keep it real? You seem to hate your very self. You hate the way you look. You hate the way you walk. You hate the way your eyes are on your face. And you hate the way somebody did your eyebrows. And you're mad because the Chinese lady hurt your little toe while she gave you a pedicure. 
And you begin to get so, so just focused on the natural aspect of yourself. And you're worried about what you wear. And, and that's all right to match and look good and look cute. Trust me, that's the thing you should do. But what I'm saying is that you should not spend an hour and a half dressing after 15 minutes of prayer. That don't make no sense. I would challenge you this week the same way in which you prepare your spirit to take that same amount of time and prepare yourself. Don't do it next Sunday because y'all will look a mess. I don't want you coming in here like that. But you got to understand that the same amount of time you invest in your future, you should invest in his future. We're talking, don't forget, about a people of purpose. Some of y'all feel like if you, you, you are just too heavy or too thin or, or your toe is too long or, or you don't like the fact that the, your bones on your hands protrude or, or you don't like that something about your life and your physical attributes and you seem to begin to develop a hate for yourself. And, and you haven't told nobody you have an eating disorder and you haven't talked to nobody about the things and the issues within your life. Can I keep it real? And we have a generation of young people who, who understand what it is to be celibate, but don't understand what it is to not please yourself. Because just because you're not out, not out having sex does not mean you stay home and you, and you do what you got to do and you, you play with Palmer and his five daughters, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just keeping it real that there is a problem in the church that nobody talks about and they're about to say, is he going to say the M word? Yes, there's a problem of masturbation in the church. Got real quiet. Nobody wants to say amen to that too loud because, you know, that's a confession of, of what's going on in your heart. It's a problem when married men are masturbating in the church. That's a big problem. Can I keep it real? It's a problem when the women can no longer control themselves and the enemy of your soul is after you to defile your own temple. He don't need some guy to do it when you're doing it to yourself. Because you've lost your purpose. If you knew what purpose was, if you knew the true definition of purpose within your life, you would not be in defeat in your life. It is not God's desire for you to be in defeat, not for a split second. And I found myself in defeat last week, time and time again. You're hearing me today. Did I lose anybody yet? Some of y'all feel inadequate, unprepared for your life. Inadequate and unprepared for the future God has called you for. You feel plagued by your life as it is almost as if it's a curse. You feel just so stuck. Somebody talk to me. You feel stuck in your life. Do you know what stuck means? When you feel stuck in your life, the best description I can give, and nobody take this personal, is when you have a child with somebody and you feel stuck with them. That just because sin came from it and because life came from that sin does not mean you have to stay attached for the rest of your life. Don't sit there and make your circumstances and your mistakes characterize the future and the person God has called you to be. But understand that just because you did that does not mean you got to marry somebody. Because if you are outside God's will in the first place, you're going to be in the second place outside of God's will at the altar. You're going to find yourself in turmoil. I can see some eyes rolling. I can see some people saying, oh, he ain't lying. And you find yourself in a place of complacency for years because you wanted it to work to have a family. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking to people who feel stuck in life. If you ever got that feeling like you're settling, guess what? You're settling. You ever got that feeling like there should be more for your life? Tell the person next to you, there's got to be more than this. Come on, say it like you mean it, church. There are reasons we feel stuck, discouraged, and adrift. There are reasons people lose your enthusiasm for life. There are reasons that God's people lose hope. We lose our sense of purpose and we lose our joy. I'm so tired of seeing unhappy Christians. Do you know what an unhappy Christian is? Do you know what that really is saying? It means that you are a weak Christian. 
Because the Bible describes the joy of the Lord as your strength. And without that happiness, you cannot push through in your life. Without that happiness and you're stuck home and you're sitting there watching reruns of your dumb favorite shows because you are just too unhappy to go live life. You know you're in a bad place if on a rainy day you automatically get sad. Somebody guilty. You know that when the rain starts to pitter-patter on your window and everybody says, oh, it's a lazy day. No, 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 no. It does not mean it's a lazy day. It means that you are controlled by the elements and surroundings about your life. Because I don't know about you, but there could be sunshine on a rainy day. Am I lying? See, every time it rains and you feel like getting depressed, you should have a sun shower in your house. Well, you are just beaming with the joy of the Lord. And that it does not take for somebody to come to your house and cheer you up to be happy. It doesn't take sister so-and-so to come to your house to play a game with you to make you smile. But you're happy simply because Christ laid down his life for you. Come on, somebody say people of purpose. So many Christians have lost their purpose and their true drive for Christ. And some of us stop coming to church. Some of us just come to church with no purpose. Some of us come to church because that's what we used to do on Sundays. And if I don't, I know the pastor going to call me. And we come with no true focus in the church. The most reason that people have these feelings in your life is either one, you've lost sight of who God made you to be and what he designed you to do. And as a result, number two is people are not actively, intentionally, purposefully pursuing the father, what he has planned and designed for your life. And because you are feeling some type of way, you have to understand that you stop chasing after God. And you simply stop in the side of the road like if it's a rest stop. And church and your relationship with Christ becomes nothing more than just doing it religiously. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, maybe a Friday. We were talking in the prayer room today before praise and worship as the praise and worship team always prepares themselves with prayer. And Reuben began to speak about the fast and it was humorous that he almost said, he said, uh, people were bickering during the fast. So how much was God really honored when you were upset that you couldn't eat certain things? Uh, was your fast really impactful in your life when, when you were complaining that you wanted some pizza? We wanted some hibachi. And I wanted a garlic knot so bad I could feel it in my mouth. And oh my God, I drove by McDonald's and I got the shivers. And we began to speak of those things as if it was a sin or something. That when 12 midnight hit, some of y'all hit your kitchens. And we were looking around to see if God was watching because you felt so guilty after three weeks of not eating that stuff. It was funny. I'm not going to say no name, but 1208 Facebook. I'm back. I was fasting from Facebook. It's humorous. It's almost as if, come on. And we, and we complained and we bickered and muttered during the fast. And we barely made it through. Some of us didn't make it at all. Some of y'all had like 18 different fasts. Because it started every two days. I messed up, Lord, I'm starting over, God. I'm not, it was just so humorous to hear these stories and, and people saying, yeah, I did mess up and I had a graham cracker or something. And it was it's just humorous to me. And things that are designed to be purposeful in your life. Fasting is supposed to be purposeful. I like the way the message Bible says it. It says, don't, he says, wash your face and do your hair when you're fasting. Don't look a mess just so people can look at you and say, oh, Melvin's fasting. I believe the remix Bible says actually to, um, to actually do your makeup and look pretty. Don't walk around with your face down because you haven't had a cheeseburger. And 
I find it that, that we lost our purpose along the way. And if I don't touch on purpose in the beginning of the year, I can't touch on purpose five months from now. We need purpose from the start. We need purpose from the beginning. Without purpose, you're powerless. And without power, you are ineffective. And when you're ineffective, you're no longer a threat to the enemy. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you truly want to pursue and reach your fullest potential, you got to face up to these two truths. You ready? God has placed more within you than you can possibly realize. Tell the person next to you, I see something in you. Um, Number two, if you can agree with any of the following statements that I had made previous to what I'm going to say now, uh, number two is this, you have likely settled into the life you have right now. You have settled in some way, some form, some fashion. You've lost your fire. You've lost your intensity to serve God. You've lost your ability to be able to pray to God or read your Bible. And you have settled. Somebody say settled. So number one was God's placed more within you than you realize. And number two is that you've settled in your life. You listen to this. If you could turn in your Bibles, you thought I didn't have no scriptures, I got you, don't worry. Psalms 139, verse 13 to 17. How many of you know that God has put something in you that you never even realized in your life? This is one of the single most greatest scriptures, and I have it in the, um, the Living Bible Translation, so it'll be a little different than what's on the board. Um, and it says this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's very womb. Thank you, O God, for making me so wonderfully and fearfully made. It is amazing to think about your workmanship. It's marvelous in how well I know it. You were there while I was formed in utter seclusion. And you saw me before I was born. And God, you scheduled each day of my life before I ever began to breathe. And every day of my life was recorded in your book. Verse 17 says how precious it is. Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn to me, oh God. And when I awaken in the morning, you are still thinking of me. God is thinking about you. Every moment of every second of every day, every millisecond in your life, God is looking towards you. God cares about your purpose. Understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, David says in this sound, God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In one translation, he says, God, you've made me into a masterpiece. Tell somebody next to you, I'm a masterpiece. Understand that in the first chapter of Genesis, God says again and again that what he made was good. And when he made man, God said, oh, what I've made is good. It's okay to love yourself. Somebody say amen. Amen. Understand that everything the creator made from the outset was perfect in all its ways. God made you perfectly. He formed you to function in a specific manner. It was beautiful. It was ordered by God, magnificently ordained. And when it concerned you, God held no punches. Somebody say glory. God made you better than you can possibly ever imagine. Your body is a technological marvel. You are connected to every aspect of creation in ways you could never feel or know possible. And yet God knew what exactly what he was doing from the beginning of creation. Did you not know how awesome your body is? Did you not know how fierce your body is? It has been proven that there is the, the, the actual acids in your stomach. Anybody ever get heartburn? God help me, heartburn is a, it, oh. Stab me, shoot me. Don't give me heartburn, Lord. Heartburn in itself is just a horrendous feeling, especially when you're trying to sleep at night and you feel that coming up in you. And the actual acids of your stomach can actually dissolve zinc and metals. 
But the fact of the matter is, the cells within your, your stomach walls regenerate at a pace so quickly, the acids never have time to dissolve through them. Somebody say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Understand, your, your lungs alone contain over 300 million capillaries. And if they were laid end to end, they would be 2,400 kilometers long. Your body is fearfully and wonderfully made. Somebody say amen. amen. Understand the human bone is as strong as granite when it comes to supporting weight. A block of bone the size of a matchbox can support nine tons. That is four times as much as concrete can ever support. Somebody say amen. amen. The largest, largest organ in your body is actually your skin. In an adult, the, the, the actual skin itself covers 1.9 meters to the second power, which is about 20 squared feet. And the skin constantly flakes away, and your body sheds about 40 pounds of skin in your lifetime. But understand that your skin itself regenerates at a rate that your body cannot keep up with. If you don't understand where I'm going, tell your neighbor, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your kidney, each one of your kidneys contains over 1 million individual filters and they filter about 1.3 liters of blood per second. If you understood how complex God made you, you would think he would understand the plan of your life. If he made your body to be so complex, stop worrying about your job or your, your, your little husband issues or your, or your girlfriend issues. Because if he understood how to make your liver and your kidney, I'm pretty sure he can work out your marriage. <laughs> Understand that, um, that in 30 minutes, the average body gives off enough heat to bring a gallon of water to boil. A single human blood cell takes about 60 seconds to circulate your entire body. 60 seconds. Your blood is pacing at over 124 miles an hour in your body. You're understanding this. This may be a little grotesque, but I'm going to keep it real. I found an interesting fact as I was studying for amazing human body facts. And it was this, that doctors now, do you know what doctors use to recreate skin? Doctors use the male foreskin to recreate skin. And the fact of the matter is, the foreskin is so resilient that it can reproduce itself within 21 days, enough skin to cover three entire basketball courts. And that's what they use for skin grafts. I don't mean to gross you out. I hope nobody here got a skin graft. That's all I'm saying. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Understand that the, um, a woman contains over half a million eggs in her body. And she will only use about 400 in her lifetime to even move from her ovaries. I think those things sell for 5000 a pop. I'm, I'm just saying. I'll leave it at that. Understand that there are 2.5 trillion red blood cells in your body at any given moment. And to maintain that number, about 2.5 million new ones need to be produced every second by your bone marrow. That's like the population of the city of Toronto every second being created in your body. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Considering all the tissues and cells in your body, 25 million cells are being produced every second. And that's a little more than the population of Australia. A red blood cell itself, we talked about cells before, but a red blood cell can circumnavigate your body in under 20 seconds. Nerve impulses in your body travel at over 400 kilometers per hour. Understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, your heart alone beats over a hundred thousand times a day. Understand that your blood is on a constant, non-stopping, 60,000 mile an hour journey around your body because that is about how much veins you got 60,000 miles in you. Understand that your lungs inhale over two million liters of air every day without ever thinking twice about it. Understand that every day you give birth to over 100 billion red blood cells in your body. You never felt that, did you? 
Understand that every time you touch something, somebody touch something right now, a nerve impulse flew through your body at 124 miles per hour just to tell your body you touch something. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But yet every time that you, you worry about your life and you begin to perplex about how God shall provide all your needs and how it sounds good and you're touching his word, never realizing that his fearfulness and his greatness is showing through you at the very moment your heart beats. But we doubt God for the little things. We doubt God for our healings and our miracles and our jobs. Can I keep going? understand that um, you are only about 70% water and that even when you somebody smile you just exercise over 30 muscles in your face understand it's a historical fact and it's a scientific fact that it takes more muscles to frown than it does smile so just smile understand that in one square inch of your hand you have nine feet of blood vessels 600 pain centers, over 9,000 nerve endings, 36 heat centers, and 75 pressure centers, and that's just one hand. Tell the person next to you, fearfully and wonderfully made. Are you not God's masterpiece? Do you see what I'm trying to tell you here? That, that you worry about these big little things, so you're big in your eyes, but God's saying, I, I, just, I just gave you 9,000 you know, um, sensors in your, in your hands alone, nerve endings, in your, and you're worried about if you're going to be able to put gas in your car. Um, what if you started worrying about your heart beating? Or started worrying about if you can, what if you actually had to tell your brain to, to keep your heart beating? We would forget, I would. Thank God it's an autopilot. Um, Billy, how many of y'all, how many of y'all ever got sweat in your eyes? That's a very, if you've never experienced that, um, to be really honest, it sucks. Um, it's a horrible feeling. When you're playing sports, um, it can easily curve your brow and come down into your eyes as it comes off of your head because your head almost perspires probably the most in, in, in a person. is your, your head perspires the most. Do you know that God gave you simply the only purpose for your eyebrows is really just to keep the sweat out of your eyes? It does not shield light from your eyes. It does nothing. The only purpose it truly serves is to stop sweat from getting in your eyes. And you think God didn't think about you and your comforts? And we're sitting there saying, God, you don't care about me. Oh, God, where are you in my time of need? And we toss God these great prayers and never realize how much he cared about you before he even made you. Understand that there are um, more living organisms on a single um, human being on their skin than there are human beings on the surface of the planet. Understand the surface area of a human lung is equal to that of a tennis court. If they expanded your lungs till it's full size, took them out of your chest, and unraveled them, they would be about the size of a tennis court. Isn't that amazing? These are things you need to understand that God has etched your life in the palm of his hands. Understand the amount of carbon in your body is enough to produce 9,000 lead pencils. So for the next back-to-school drive, just come see me. Uh, we have about uh, 180 million pen pencils in this place alone. Understand that if you could save all the eye blinks in one lifetime and use them all at once, you would be dark and black for over a year and a half. You blink so much in your life. Blink, everybody, right now, just blink. And it happened that quick. But you blink for over a year and a half throughout your lifetime. And you wash away all the toxins that are in your eyes. Understand that your body only has about six quarts of blood inside of you and it circulates your entire body. At every last piece of, you know, drop of blood in your body circumnavigates throughout your entire body three times every minute. And the heart pumps about one million barrels of blood during an average lifetime. Doesn't seem like a lot, does it? Just one million barrels of blood. That's enough to fill three super tankers of oil. Do you understand how amazing God has made you? Understand that God made you so awesome that you can actually function without your brain, which I'm convinced some of you do. <laughs> you can, you don't, your body does not need your brain to function. That's why they have you know, breathing machines. They stick you on one of those and somebody's a vegetable. 
understand that your eyes are the most complex organ that has ever seen the earth. Understand your eyes possess more knowledge and strength than your brain does. Um, your eyes are composed of over 2 million working parts. Your eyes can process 36,000 bits of information every hour. And under the right conditions, your eyes can see up to 14 miles away in darkness. Your eyes are contribute to 85% of your total knowledge. So 85% of what you know has been a direct result of all because of your eyes. Somebody say my eyes. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love my eyes. Understand that um, your eyes utilize 65% of all the brain paths to your brain. Um, understand your eyes can instantaneously set in motion hundreds of muscles and organs in your body. Um, in a normal lifespan, uh, you will bring almost 24 million images of the world around you into your brain through, somebody say, your eyes. Understand the external muscles of your eyes. that um, They're actually the strongest muscle in the body, and they are 100 times stronger than they need to be to do the job they have to do. Understand that um, the eye is the only part of the human body that can function at 100% ability at any moment, day or night, without rest. Your eyelids need rest. Your external muscles of your eyes need rest. The lubrication of your eyes require replenishment, but your eyes themselves never, ever, ever need rest. Because God knew what he was doing when he made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 8, verse 3 and 6 says this. When I consider your heavens and the works of your fingers, the moons and the stars which thou have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. God has put dominion in your hands. He's put dominion over the world, over your household, over your children, over your families, over your situation at your job. God has put that in dominion over your hands. Psalms 33, 6 through 15. And it says this, speaking of creation. The psalmist writes, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He gave the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in its vast reservoirs. Let everyone in the world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his very command. The Lord shatters the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen for his own. And verse 13 says this, The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. For his throne he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. Tell the person next to you, God understands what you're doing. Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 through 8. The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He said to him, O sovereign Lord, I said, I do not speak, and I am only a child. But the Lord said, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say, Whatever I command of you, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Young age and youth are not a qualifying or disqualifying act in God's eyes to be able to use you. I'm living proof of that. It doesn't matter how young you are, God desires to use you. Have you ever stopped to seriously ask God about his will, his plan, or his purpose for your life? If you spent half as much time talking to God as you did worrying about it, you might get somewhere in your life. Among the questions you need to ask God are these. What do you want in my life? What do you want to do through my life? What do you still desire for me to experience in my life? What possibilities lie within me for my life? What potential lies before me? What could I become, God? What did you have in mind when you created me? And what do you desire for me to do with my life? Have you ever asked God or did you make your own plans and, and, and you took all your own little classes at community college and, and you signed up all the little things and, and then when things didn't work out the way you wanted them to, you decided to pray to God to have him make your plan work out. Rather than say, God, I need purpose in my life. 
Thousands of young people every day are planning their futures, the job they want, where they want to travel, who they want to meet, the experiences they want to have. But have any of us ever asked God what he created you to be? Or do you tell God, I wouldn't mind being, let's say, an inspirational speaker. Oh God, I want to be this and I want to be that. Instead of saying, God, what do you design my life for? God, what could you possibly need for me? You have to ask God this question. I don't care if you're the person who's recently gone through a, a breakup. I don't care if you're a person who's gotten fired from every job or, or you've been retired. Or I don't care if you're, you're about to be married or you are married. I don't care if you're a parent or not a parent. You need to ask God repeatedly and frequently, what did you create me to do and to be? What have you planned and what purpose is my life to serve? You've got to be able at a moment's notice to shut out the enemy's mouth in your life. At a moment's notice to be able to shout out to God and say, God, I need purpose in my life. You need to realize that before God spoke the heavens into motion, he had purpose planned for your life. Before God actually tossed the stars to light the night sky, understand that he had purpose for your life. Before the father flung the sun to burn his face and before he commanded the moon to borrow light from day, understand that he had purpose for your life. Understand that God has planned an awesome life for you. Before God ever separated the heavens from the earth. Before he ever put the, put the actual oceans into their reservoirs. Before all this, your life was etched on the palm of his hands. And you sit before me and you came to church wondering what you should do with your life at the end of your rope. But I heard it said this week, God is at the end of your rope to meet you there. You don't have to have a sense of hopelessness in your life. You don't have to wonder what God has for you. Wonder if God is going to work in you, over you, and through you. But understand that if he took that much time to plan your body, he's taking care of your life. I'm going to breeze through these next few points. Somebody tell them I'm almost done. Every person has potential. No matter how much you may have achieved already, no matter how old you are, there's still more that God wants to do through you. Somebody say amen. amen. Every person has been created by God to bring God glory. How do we accomplish that? By being the people he created us to be. As individuals and then collectively as his church and by fulfilling the purpose of God for us on earth. Number three is no one can reach his potential without the Father's help or apart from God given talents and gifts. No person can reach their potential without factoring in the spiritual dimension associated with potential. God has not created you with the gifts and talents to do his work on earth simply for yourself. But he created you with the desire, dreams, and disposition to become a purpose. To have purpose in your life. To have intimacy. Part of your potential lies in who God made you to be. Not only what he created you to do. What God made you to do and who created you to be are two separate things. A person may reach the pinnacle of their profession and be applauded as the best in the world at a particular sport, skill, or craft. He may rank at the top of any number of the world's scales of criteria or evaluation in that thing in which they do. But unless he factors in God's plan for his life, what he has is meaningless. He has not reached his potential. He has, not, he has only maximized his outward abilities and not his inward attributes. In case you don't understand, let me tell you the difference. Your attributes are your character traits. They are the real you that exists beyond this church and in your personal homes. The way you act regardless of your circumstances, that is the real you. Somebody say the real you. The real you shows up no matter where you go or with you are, who where you at or with you, whom you associate in your life. The real you is who reacts when somebody gets on your nerves. Somebody say the real me. Some of you, I don't like the real me and still need to work on the real me. Somebody say amen. The Bible gives us a, a, gives us a very good description of the character that God desires in each of us. The Apostle Paul wrote that it is the Father's purpose to conform us to the image of his Son so that we might reflect Christ's nature in Romans 8.29. 
understand that character is summarized in another of Paul's writings in Galatians 5 when he writes about the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control that we are supposed to exhibit as a Christian. Ability and purpose are two different things. You understanding me here? I need an example today. Elias, could you come stand right in the front wherever you like? Who knows what Elias' ability is? Carpentry. Melvin, I need, I need you up here, Melvin. We're going to ask Melvin to come up. What is Melvin's? Anybody know Melvin's ability? Melvin is one of the most phenomenal painters I've ever met. He is so meticulous that when Bishop Thompson came to my office after Melvin had painted it, you see the person who first painted it painted a little line of the wall paint on the ceiling and Melvin could not get rid of it or else he would have to repaint the entire ceiling because of a simple little line. To you and me, it would not make a difference. But the first thing he asked me, he said, did Bishop Thompson see the line? Because it wasn't my line. I didn't put it there. When I came here the day they were painting, his father said, that line, we, we cannot do it. No, no, that line, no, no. That's not my line. That's their line. <laughs> it's the truth. Tell them. Tell them. <laughs> right? But that, Nate, I, Nate, I need you to come up here real quick. Somebody say amen, Nate. Amen. I don't mean to put you out there, Nate. Come on. <laughs> Does anybody know what Nate's ability is? Yeah. Nate is one of the most awesome singers I've ever met. He's a great, great singer. Those are abilities. How many of you are thinking of your ability right now? Your ability right now. Emma's ability, he was saying it today. He said, I think my ability is just to have a servant's heart. I do whatever you tell me to do and I won't even complain. What's your ability in your life? Think about it right now. Evaluate yourself. What's your ability? And your ability is only an ability until you do it for God. And then when you do it for God, then it becomes purpose. As long as Elias can build a house or build cabinets or do whatever he wants, it's no good to God until he does something for somebody in need. It's not purpose until he does something for the church or for the kingdom of God or for somebody who has no money to pay him. And he says, I don't care. I'm going to show you the Christ in me. Melvin's gift is only as good as his ability to bring purpose to it when he does it for somebody in need or when he paints the pastor's office. Then it becomes purpose when he's doing something for the kingdom of God. You have an ability within you that God placed from before the time you were born. And he made you something to be a purpose. But yet the devil has defeated your purpose and allowed you to live a life of sin while you are in church to stop you from ever being an impactful Christian. And you sit before me defeated. Before you ever really got into a fight. Nathan here is one of the greatest singers I know. He's been in many competitions. He was on, he was on making the band. And he was on a lot of different things. And he did a lot of great things. But Nathan's ability to sing is not worth nothing. It's worth nothing before God. Until a true worship comes from him. And then it becomes purpose and design for his life. Y'all can have a seat. Maybe your purpose, maybe your ability right now is just to be somebody who, who is good for business. I know, I know that you have a, maybe you have an ability to actually be somebody who, who coordinates things. Lori has a great ability to be a tyrant. She said one day like this, oh, we need help cleaning the church. And if you don't stay, I'm going to lock the gate outside so you can't leave. You better stay. I'm just kidding. But Lori has a great ability to structure my scheduling. To be able to take care of everything in the church. Did you know that Lori single-handedly put the actual church banquet together by herself with the help of very few people? And all I did was call her and, and just, just stress her out. All I did was stress her out. Every day I called her. I said, you, this is going to be a mess. Lori, it's going to be a mess. I just know it. Every day, am I lying, Lori? I think sometimes you cried, didn't you? Yeah. She said, Pastor, I organize you preach. Understand that. 
But her ability was only an ability until she brought it to be purpose for God. When you bring your abilities along with your Christian attributes and you plug them into the power outlet called Christ Jesus, it becomes a purpose in your life. Do you understand that? Are you following me today? I know some of you have lost your purpose along the way. I know some of you were cast through a tough week, a tumultuous time where you were depressed and stressed. Where you put your fake smile on and hoped that nobody would ask you what was wrong. Because you had no purpose in your life. I know you have purpose within you. Tell the person next to you, I believe in you. Don't you understand that this is why God created you? Your purpose in life is waiting for you to fulfill it. If you've never asked God what he wants you to do, I think it's about time. God walks throughout your entire life to bring you fullness to both your attributes, your abilities, and your purpose. You cannot do it on your own strength, and you can only do it through God's strength and supply. This is the reason you have to say boldly, God knows my potential. And God can help me fulfill it. Do you understand that? God knows your potential. If he knows how to make your body function, he gave you an extra, what, kidney or something? You don't even need your wisdom teeth anymore. You can just pull those out. Do you understand how great God is in your life? So what do you want to be? How about you ask God? God, what do you want me to be? What do you want me to do with my life? Jeremiah 33, 2 and 3. And I have one quick scripture after this. And it says, this is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord, who formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Call to me. And I will answer you and tell you great, unsearchable, and hidden things that you do not know. What can be greater and more unsearchable than your final purpose and destiny in life? You have a purpose for breathing. You were not here, women, just to repopulate the earth. You were not here to just be a mother or to clap in church. But you have a purpose. And yes, life has a way of beating you down. Life has a way of making you want to throw in the towel. But God says, I gave you purpose. There's no reason you should be in defeat. Isaiah 43, 5 and 7. With this I'll close. And it says, do not be afraid. For I am with you. I will bring your children from the east. And I will gather you from the west. I will say to the north to give your children up and to the south do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. For everyone who was called by my name whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. God is calling you to a life of purpose driven by a passion for Christ. Driven by a love to be able to fulfill your purpose, to be able to sow into somebody else's life, to be able to be a person who wants to do things not because they get recognition, but simply because you want to help somebody and be a blessing to somebody, because you want to serve a purpose in somebody's life. It is about time that you stop being complacent in the place in which you're in. Stop being complacent in your church and just staying here or staying there because because you don't want to leave. But begin to do your part and begin to ask God where you can fit in in your life. And find a purpose. Tell the person next to you, you are flowing with potential. Come on, stand with me right now if I can get my musician. I want you to go home and be able to feel energized about your life. If I look outside right now, it's a pretty gloomy day outside. 
the brightest spot so far in your calendar today was that you would be able to eat regular food. But yet now it can be that you know now that you have purpose and potential. That today can be about the fact that you understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God and that God truly desires to work in your life. Thank you very much. You're with me. Come on, say it from the bottom of your heart. I have purpose in my life. You cannot be satisfied with living the mediocre, sad, useless life you've been living. It's not too late to have a New Year's resolution. And just to say, God, I want some purpose in my life. God, you know what? I've been trying this a long time on my own. But today, I'm going to have a purpose in my life. Come on, across this sanctuary. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, nobody looking around, please. Let's just let the Spirit of God talk to people right now. And I want to ask a question right now. Is there somebody in this place who has not given your life to God or wants to rededicate right now because you have not been living purposefully? I want you to raise your hand if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to raise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you can put it right back down as soon as you raise it. I don't want nobody to be staring around because people don't know how to act today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, if that's you, say, God, I want a chance. God, I want to give you a shot in my life. Come on, raise your hand. Just throw it up. Thank you, Grandma. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, come on, begin to talk to him right now. Just give him a, a minute of your time. Just give him one minute of your time. God's searching for purpose in this place right now. God's searching for purpose. Heavenly Father, we want to give a purpose to our life. Come on, say it loud, but only you can do it. God, I want to give you a chance. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my mind. I want to give you my soul right now. God, I need your strength. I need your wisdom just to be able to get along, God. Come on, lift your hands all across the sanctuary. Come on, begin to just talk to him. Come on, begin to talk to God right now. Somebody open up your mouth. Come on, God wants to design purpose for your life. He's created you for a specific purpose and a reason in your life. Come on, lift it up in this place right now. Begin to talk to him. right now, God.
and talent for you, Lord. Come on, let's tell it one more time for all you've done, for all you've done. Come on, give my life. Come on, just for you, Lord. Come on, right where you stand, Heavenly Father, we just ask you for purpose in this morning, God. God, we ask you for purpose to overflow us, God, that you would help us to, 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 to move forward, God, and to be able to have a joy unspeakable within our lives, God. God, that we understand, God, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, that if you can plan my body, God, you can plan my life. God, that you have designed us to be a people of purpose. God, that you have designed me to have a destiny. And before, God, I was ever born, you knew every day that I would ever live, God. And God, you called me into your sacred assembly, God. You called me to be the person that I am being right now, God. And for so many of you, God called you to be more. Come on, the people of God saying, 